You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. G'day guys, Trent Fleskins here, as always, your host of The Perth Property Show. Thanks for listening along. I know it's a Monday morning, we're getting our coffee ready to go, but this one is something you want to listen to. Now, in a tough market, especially on the rental side, we can find that when we're trying to lease our property out again, it can take a few weeks. It can often take months right now. There's a lot of supply. And whilst rents are seemingly looking to bottom out and starting to come on the uptick again, it's really valuable to, once you've lost a tenant or you've just bought an investment property, understand some really basic ideas around how to present your property in a way that is not only getting the best value you can on a weekly basis, but also being rented out as quickly as possible because every week is rent lost. Here to help us out with that, is our property management guru, Daisy Campbell. Daisy, thanks for coming in again. Thanks, Trent. Yeah, this is a a really hot topic at the moment and I think you nailed it there. Every week that the property sits vacant is a week's rent lost and that is where you stand to lose the most money on a rental property or an investment property. Mm. Ideally, wherever you can prevent a tenant from leaving, that's the type, that's what you would prefer. Uh, Sometimes, you know, if you know your tenant is going to be leaving is to just check in on them and say, are you happy? Um, Why are you leaving? And sometimes it's unavoidable. They might be leaving for work or family reasons or buying their own property buying their own property upsizing or downsizing but quite often we see tenants who are leaving and it's because they think that the rent is too high and they're just moving into a cheaper property down the road and they're too scared to just have the conversation look are we still paying a reasonable market rate and really, if they are paying above what they should be, if we have good expectations as landlords and we, and we understand that every week it's vacant, which in this market is a reality for a lot of people, is hundreds of dollars or the equivalent of 20 bucks a week nearly. You know, Absolutely. Uh, we may as well just drop the price 20 bucks a week so that we don't have to stuff around finding new tenants that may not be as good as the ones we've got. Definitely. Holding on to good tenants is just as important as finding new tenants. Yeah, and, and you nailed it there. If they, if they do reduce the rent sometimes by, you know, 10 or $20 per week, as opposed to having to relist that property and then meet the market, which might be $50 per week less, yeah. you know, and moving is costly for tenants as well. So quite often we are able to negotiate a tenant to stay in their lease agreement. Now, if your property is unavoidable and your property is coming up vacant, then there, you know, there's such a surplus of property um, in any suburb at the moment that if the best thing to do... I would suggest to any owner about to list their property is firstly to jump on realestate.com or domain and to have a look at the properties that are currently available in their suburb so you know what you are competing against, Mm. so you know what you're up against. It's a product that you are putting out to market that you're competing with other people. Absolutely. At at the end of the day, the longer that you are not prepared to compete, whether it's on price or on presentation, you're the one that's going to suffer. Absolutely. And when you're looking at these other properties, you need to think, okay, well, what would make somebody click on my property over this one or this Mm. one? Mm. So, you know, your presentation online is absolutely key. It is the first step in securing a tenant. Uh, You might have the most beautiful property and it's immaculate, but if it's not presented well online or you haven't got any photographs, nobody is even going to click on it. You're not going to get the people through the door. So as a standard, as a professional level of photography... Absolutely. Yep. Not iPhones. No. Yeah. What, no. What, what, what would this cost, for example, as just a line item to have a professional photographer come in and, and snap a few photos to to really have it presented the way it needs to be? Yeah, look, you can get professional photography done from anywhere between 80 to uh, 130 or more dollars. That's two days rent. 
It is, yeah, absolutely. There are plenty of photographers out there um, who will do a package for around eighty dollars. Mm. And look, like I said, if you jump on realestate.com and you have a look at some properties and you look through their photos, you can tell which ones were taken on iPhones, which ones are dark, which mm. ones have just been stolen out of the condition report, mm. and you can tell which ones have got the professional photography. It's also a- another great tool that's out there now is virtual staging. And um, here's a great example: we had a unit available that was coming up in a complex that had just been built, so there was you know six or eight other units identical available in mm-hmm. the complex. So you think, well, how are we going to make our clients' property stand out against all these other ones? They're all priced the same and they're all identical. Um, We don't want him to drop his price, you know, $20 below everybody else's. That's not fair on the other units and it's not fair on him either. So we actually went ahead with some virtual staging. So there's a website called called Box Brownie. So what they do is they will put in, it's like The Sims, you know, they'll put furniture in that property and it looks fantastic. Sometimes I have to double take and I can't tell whether the furniture is virtual uh, or real. And it just, I suppose, gives people a glimpse into what it would look like if Mm. it was furnished and and it helps paint the picture of the lifestyle you could have there. They obviously put beautiful furniture in there and they set it really well. So it's about $40 a picture and we only did that on two pictures uh, and that property leased within four days and the other unit stayed um, advertised online there. And that's just because when people are scrolling through a huge list of properties that look so similar, uh, what is going to make yours stand out? What makes yours look different? Why will they click on that one? It's almost just bridging that gap of reality and imagination that helping people they don't have to imagine what would it look like if we put our furniture in there or will this room actually fit our furniture it looks like you know this this room would look really nice in in this environment Mm, absolutely so you know that's your online presentation it's really important to note all of the key features of the property um you know all the amenities any public transport anything that it's close to in the description as well Mm. and it's also about how easy is your property to access so if you are a prospective tenant and you're looking online a lot of agencies these days are utilizing the technology that's available that allows tenants to book their own inspections when they're looking online Mm. whereas any agencies who aren't doing that, you know, I argue that they are missing out on prospective tenants. The majority of ours are booked after hours when a tenant is sitting at home, you know, in their bed, on their couch, on their iPhone or iPad, and they're scrolling through properties and they can go, okay, I like this one. Oh, I can book my time in now myself at a time that suits me on a date that suits me. Mm. I think It might that, be tomorrow and not next Saturday. Absolutely. You know, it might be, you know, I think that the old home opens where the agent says it's going to be open at 4 till 4.15 on Tuesday you afternoon. Be there, otherwise yeah. Yep. You know, I it's a tenant's market. That's just not that's just not working anymore. You'll end up with nobody turning up to those sorts of inspections. So it's really important, I think, to make it easy for tenants to lease your property by being able to choose their own inspections. Are they able to use the online application um, platforms that are available these days, like OneForm? If you have a tenant who've used a couple of properties that are pretty similar, one of them allows you to um, you know, do your application online from your phone. That's a lot easier than having to go into the office or print out and scan an application form and send that back. So it's, you know, how easy is your property going to be for that person? to rent is definitely the second point there. Yep. So getting those clicks. So let's talk about price then. Let's really drill into price and understand the opportunity cost. We've referenced it just earlier of maybe pricing it, trying to get what you were getting before from the previous tenant and not actually checking out the market and understanding that if you want your property to be clicked on and to be filled quicker than everyone else on the market, you need to be able to, if if you're equal in terms of presentation, beat them on the other thing that matters and that's price. Definitely. Price is obviously um, the big elephant in the room for sure. Um, And it is. It's similar to sales in that, you know, some property managers may quote you a higher price or you may believe that it's worth a higher price, but that doesn't mean that it is. You know, properties should be priced to lease, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's important to understand what 
things actually contribute to a property's rental price. Mm. You know, little things like having a spa bath or having a beautiful garden or maybe having freshly painted walls, you know, they don't contribute to the rental return on that property, but they do increase the appeal of the property. So, you know, we see a lot of people who say, oh, well, I just painted my wall, so I'm going to advertise it an extra $10 per week. No, no absolutely not. You might get it rented quicker. doesn't mean it's worth any more than it was before the walls are painted. That's right. That's exactly right. So it, it is about the uh, the difference between appeal and obviously rental income. Mm. Now, let's say you've put your property up for rent and you're just not getting any success. A lot of people then turn to Gumtree. That's right. Gumtree and Facebook are the two big ones. Um, look, and I think if you're going to go down the effort of getting professional photos done and you've, you know, you've got an investment property, however much it may be worth, it's absolutely worth investing in advertising on the proper platforms, on the big ones, realestate.com for sure, mm. Domain, Rewa. Look, I think when it comes to Gumtree and Facebook, this is where we see a lot of private landlords fail. When you are a property manager and you have had a an issue with the tenancy, you blacklist that tenant on the National Tenancy Data base, which is visible all over Australia uh, for up to seven years. So if you are a tenant who's been blacklisted on one of those databases, you know when you apply to rental um, agency, you are going to get searched and knocked back. Mm. So the first place these tenants look is Gumtree and Facebook. Mm. You know, and I sort of think if you have sourced a tenant from Gumtree or Facebook, you want to ask why. Why were they looking on there as opposed to any of the other major sites? Yeah, especially um, in this market. How, why haven't they already got a rental property? There's so much option out there. Absolutely. You said it there, that's for sure. And I think a lot of people coming on from overseas as well. We see them looking on Facebook and Gumtree and sometimes it's because that's what they're familiar with or that's what they know. Um, but often, you know, we're seeing people who are just here on a holiday visa who have damaged a property and have no intentions of, you know, paying the rent or sticking around for the ramifications. Mm. So what I'm getting from this is that although it might be easy to try and look at just the, the paper, the bottom line of it, spend as least money as, as possible to try and wing the most rental income out of it as quickly as possible. In reality, in this market especially, you sort of need to invest in your rental to be able to get the most back from it as a multiplier anyway. It's not going to necessarily work by skimping out spending as least as possible, not upgrading or updating your property when it becomes vacant, not getting the right presentation and pricing it, hopefully, because really you just end up at the back of realestate.com or having to turn to somewhere like Gumtree and possibly leasing it out to someone who really shouldn't be leasing in the first place. Exactly. And you said it there. It's an investment property and the investment doesn't stop when you purchase the property. Mm. It's an ongoing investment. Daisy, thanks a lot for your time. Hopefully, we have you in again soon. Thank you. Okay, today we are talking cool up with our suburb spotlight. We've obviously got our number one agent in. That is Anne Bashy-Brown from Next Vision Real Estate. And thanks for coming in and chatting cool up. Thank you, Trent. Thank you for having me here. This suburb is a big development uh, focus for a lot of people, especially those people that live south and develop where they know. You could call it the Balga or the Westminster of the south, but I think it's got a lot more going for it than maybe those suburbs because of the suburbs and the facilities around it. Before we start talking about what Coolblup's all about these days, how about you bring us back to the start and tell us how Coolblup started? Before 1952... Kublap was known as North Lake. North Lake, it, that, North was, Lake. The, that was it. Of, that was it. Okay. But North Lake in indigenous language is uh, uh, Kublap. The whole area was developed in 1952. Wow. Uh, that whole area of city of Coburn, city of Fremantle, they're actually starting to bring those indigenous names back. So it's cool to know that a suburb has had that backing since the 50s. Uh, what sort of people were first moving into Kublap? I think we all know it was, it's obviously started as a lower socioeconomic area. Was it all state housing or was it a, a portion? 
there were 70 back then in the 60s when it was built um, the first property that was built 1964 there uh, was all state housing they were 75% state housing wow. in Kulblap wow. and over the years they've sold and 12 years ago when I started in Kulblap they were about 27% still homeless um, now they call it state housing uh, housing authority uh, currently at the moment there's only 9% Wow, so, so one in four 12 years ago were left being state housing. The rest had obviously been sold off over time to you know mum and dad buyers, family owners or developers. And now that's one in 10 properties left in Coolbullup is, is selling as a state housing home. That's right. Well, yes. we're nearly, they're nearly gone, aren't they? Probably because of the price. I was told that by selling one property, they can get four, five hundred thousand, they can build two smaller development and provide two families, let's say, in other suburb. Yeah. Uh, further up north or further down south, away from Kublap. Kublap being 15 minutes from the city, it's more sought after. It served its purpose as a, as a state housing area, hasn't it? It's, it? Back in the day, Kublap was on the fringes and now being more of a second ring suburb, as you're saying, it's got to that price point now where they can provide that service so much cheaper on the outer rims to twice the amount of people. And, and in the 60s, a lot of them who were state housing, they were working in the Fremantle uh, dock. You know, a lot of dock workers were there. Yeah. Okay. So uh, state housing, a lot of people on the docks, obviously a lot of tradesmen, labourers and whatnot. How has that moved to today in terms of who is your archetypal buyer? Is it obviously you've got developers, you've got you've got your owner occupied buyers too. If we take the developers away, because we we'll talk about that later, what's your usual owner occupier that would buy off you? I've got I've got doctors from Fiona Stanley have bought a couple of properties from me. Yep. In uh and one of them bought it in Cordelia Avenue, which is under the power line. And he's a neurosurgeon wow. in Fiona Stanley. You wow. know? And I've got lawyers. I've got Hartley Street was sold to a lawyer. And um, so it's, it's just different demographic of buyers coming in, more affluent, more educated. And there are a group of young, I would say young couple, young families. And there's another group of downsizers who's been in Kulbula for many, many years. And they don't want that 800 square meter block. Uh, mainly, they don't want to maintain it anymore. So they tend to downsize in the same suburb because they are familiar. Yeah, what you've done is you've referenced that major factor, I think, that sets Corbel up apart from the other state housing suburbs in Perth. And that is Fiona Stanley and Murdoch University. Uh, you've got these real reasons. I always talk about fundamental growth factors and hospitals, schools... These are real reasons people would choose to live there or pay a bit more money to live there. And the reality is it's not that expensive to get in Up when you compare it to the suburbs surrounding Up. Like next door can be 100,000 more in Cardinia. Yeah, or more. Uh, or, yeah. or North Lake or more in Vintrop. It's only 10 minutes from Fremantle, 15 minutes from the city. It's quite central. And those days a social stigma but it's no longer there anymore. Based on the current buyers that I have, all the young buyers that's buying, a different demographic. I think a lot of people, when they drive through Up, especially coming off North Lake Road, you've got that beautiful street with all of the, uh, with the, with the red cobblestone uh, uh, road. Uh, you've got the, uh, you know, lots of nice trees lining the streets. Uh, it's, an, it's a nice entrance to Up uh, that most suburbs don't have. And you go, geez, I didn't realise it was it was this nice. 
we've got a lot of parks surprisingly in Kubla a lot of parks in there and a lot of greeneries people are uh, coming in because he said he got a lot of natural green trees i've got a, a property that i'm selling there is a 138 year old tree on it and the owner is not going to he, he just put it nicely out there he said no i'm not going to cut it off you know it's just been there 138 years wow yeah. all right so if we're going to talk about getting into Kubla i think we need to talk about the options Uh, not everyone can afford the most expensive property but obviously not everyone wants that small apartment and the cool thing i think to note is that apartments are starting to come into Coolbelt as an option so let's start at the bottom what's the cheapest thing i could buy in Coolbelt and then as it goes up in the scale what are we paying for these different options in Coolbelt you can get a place for 250,000 that is an a three bedroom apartment um or you can get a brand new 4 by 2 on a 700 square meter block for 580,000. That would be one of the nicer homes, wouldn't it? That would be with all the bells and whistles. Yeah. <laughs> you know. All in the... between that, do we have options in the 300s, in the early 400s for the older 3 by 1s on 700 and something square meters? Uh, most of the subdividable block, it's in the 400. And it all depends on the property or the house itself, whether it's a flat block land, and if the house is renovated or not. But a good thing about Kulblap, you have the option. You can buy a big block with an old three by one Kubi cottage for three hundred and fifty thousand to four hundred and fifty thousand, depending how much is done on the block, mm. how easy to do the subdivision. Yeah, or the renovation if necessary. And it, whether it's moving condition or you need some love to do up the place, you know. It also depends uh, because it's an older demographic, original. I've got quite a number of deceased estate where the family just want to sell it. So that's more sought after. Yeah. yeah, I guess it is one of those vintages where there would be people who bought in the 60s and stayed there the whole life. Yes. And they're probably passing on to the next life uh, around this time, aren't they? So one owner properties, it wouldn't be rare. Yes, no, I've sold quite a few with one owner property and not only deceased, I've got one lady as 90 year old, finally she decided that, all right, time to go to a retirement uh, resort, she call it, you know, and I, I'm selling her property. Yeah. The cool thing about Coolblap is that I've seen a little bit of uh, a state renewal in comparison to maybe, I like to use Westminster as, a, as an analogue. Westminster mainly is just private developers that have gone through and put their triplexes in. Not really mm-hmm. a lot of optionality going on. Maybe some townhouses, right? When you look at Coolbelup, which has grown in value much, much more than Balga, I remember both of them, at 2012, they were both had a median house price of $350,000, right? Mm-hmm. Balga has probably gone down from that in that time. It's gone up to $500 and back down to early $300s. Coolbelup sitting still uh, you know, above that $350,000. I'll get you to answer that question later, <laughs> right? But one thing that I've noticed that is different factor is this school estate that you've got in the eastern side of Coolbelup, which has really renewed a lot of that portion just east of Romeo Road. And yes. It used to be a park. What is that? Uh, east of Romeo Road used to be a school. Yeah. And because in the 60s, a lot of families that were migrants from UK and so on, or U- part of Europe, there are a lot of schools in there and they were young families. So there were four primary schools. One is named North Lake. The other one, they, they put it together and called them Kublak Community School. That's one. And the other two primary schools, the one that you mentioned, they have sold as, and, and now it's houses on that blocks. Uh, smaller property, like 250 to 300 square meter blocks, but they all developed. 
Yeah, so, so you've the, got this little mini estate coming in. That's replacing, a two new mini estate, yes. Yeah, and that helps with the amenity of the area. It just it builds up a, a clean um, vibe for young families who may have thought, oh, I don't know about Corbulup, but then they come in, see this area, it takes up quite a pocket of Corbulup, and they go, well, you know what? It's actually quite clean around, at least around this side of, of town compared to, you know, maybe I was thinking of a Cardinia or a Hilton. I don't mind it here. It's just off of North Lake Road and you know, straight into the freeway. So I think that has helped as well with on a more wholesale basis, bringing up the amenity of the area. Let's talk development. I'm I'm on the edge of my seat waiting to have this conversation with you. There's lots of options, but there's also a few traps as well. Can we talk about the zoning first off in Coolbulup? Is it all developable? If not, where not? And if it is, what are the different zonings? Um, We have our 30, our 40, our 50, our 60, and a couple of our 80. Does that mean every property in Coolbluff in one way or another is developable or are there still some old R20 blocks that get people caught out sometimes? From what I've checked, there's no R20 anymore. Yeah, that's what I understood too. R30, uh, it depends on the shape of the block. Some, I would say about 10% of properties in Coolbluff where you need massive retaining. It's not rectangle shaped block. There are a lot of trapezium shaped blocks <laughs> trapezium, but we, in, yeah. in, in uh, cul-de-sacs and corners of Coolbluff and you're right when I've looked at a lot of these development blocks the slope can really catch you out retaining can cost a bit of money yeah. and depend on the price I'm, I'm still selling those as well depend on the price the owner has to know that hey it's going to cost the buyer $30,000 just to do retaining in order to get it to subdivide so we just need to factor that in factor that in and the owner Knowing that it's going to cost a buyer, they might say, oh, okay, let's put it this price and sell it at this price. So everything is sellable if the price is right. It, when you're selling these these development-specific blocks, are you coming back a year later and noticing that they've been turned into uh, two or three new houses? Or are you noticing that most of these original houses are being retained and renovated? I would say 50-50. 50% of those buyers, they actually renovate. Instead of three by one, they make it three by two. And and some of them, even though they don't sell, they call me back, and hey, come have a look. <laughs> and and it's beautiful. It, 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 it's still a Kubi cottage, but it's modern. It's beautiful. If you open plan, I would say 90% of them break the wall between the lounge room, uh, family room and, and the kitchen. And... It completely looked different and modern. Yeah, I think I've that seen helps. some. I've seen some really good examples through suburb of Coolbluff. I think it's that Fremantle factor coming into Coolbluff. There, you just have more creative people. I think, and this is my perspective, more creative people in the southwest yeah. of Perth than anywhere yes. else, and they have that individual flair and they've got a little bit of that culture to go you know what i can turn this three by one into a beautiful three by two with you know architectural beams and lots of nice light coming through you just don't see people taking that liberty in other suburbs north of the river for example no and every house every house is unique yes they put in their own little touches and i call it artsy fartsy can i say that yeah i think you can (laughs) And and it's beautiful, and I I like I I enjoy that I enjoy looking at what what I did sell them and look at what it is now and little touches it makes them look different, even though it's Kubi Cottage, but it end up looking different. In terms of this individuality, have you got any council traps that you can make us aware of where we just need to know? Look, there's a there's a criteria here or a cost here council puts in 
to be able to develop these blocks? I'm not too familiar with council costing, but uh, working with as a volunteer with Coburn um, Council and so on, they are very proactive in wanting change. They want newness to the area. They want more people coming in and develop. If you take pride in your house, you will take pride in the yard. You get you will take pride in the whole community. So so they're very pro. Um, so far. All my clients, uh, my buyers who has done renovation, never had a problem with That's them. That's good. Because they're very pro-development. They're not like, they, they're into it. They, they know that if you develop, it's good for them. Exactly right. Well, it generally creates more rates for them, uh, less crime. Uh, and it's good to know that there's another council out there uh, that is pro-development, pro-meeting their quotas as well because they've got these state government quotas. And when you compare them to some of the other more protectionist councils that really are a pain to work with, uh, it's good yes. to know that, that Coburn, uh, especially around Coolwillup, is here for the future and, and helping that developer. They're very pro-development, yes. All right, let's ask you that last question. It's yes. a median house price question. Yes. Every week we ask our number one agent this. What's the median house price in your suburb, And If you had that in your pocket right now, what would you buy? I would say about $450,000. Oh, there's a few I would buy and develop. Uh-huh. Or I would buy and not develop and just make it bigger and enjoy big block of land because it's not easy getting 728 square meter for young couples anymore because most of the blocks being sold are half that size. Okay, so you're saying whatever your angle, a 728 square meter block is the way to go and if you want to develop it now, go for it. If you don't, enjoy the space. Yes, and wait for the next turn where the price comes out again because now it's rock bottom price, best time to buy in my personal opinion and in my 12 years in Kublab suburb, working in Kublat suburb itself, I think this is the best time to buy. And Bashi Brown, thank you very much for coming in. I appreciate your time and let's have you in again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!